Great to hear Alex Pye's voice again in the morning. Always good. And it's also good that the sun has come out for Out of the Box today. Probably not exclusively for this show, but it, it's it's out nonetheless. And we've got a bit of a ray of sunshine with me in the studio today. My guest will crowd surf no matter how many hands there are to catch her. Penny Greenholge is a fearless performer, but it took her a while to get that way. Penny has worked on Hungry Beast and The Checkout and has made children cry and gone to clowning school. Welcome on Out of the Box, Penny. Thank you very much, Ash. Hello. So you had plenty of time to think about the songs you were going to bring on today, and I'm sorry if I've thrown you into your past a little bit, but how's the process been? Has it been okay, fun? Yeah, really fun. It's um, it's interesting when you... I, I thought there's no way I would be able to narrow it all down and stuff, but um, when you start looking, I think... And and start listening to songs that you remember from certain periods in your life and stuff. It, it all it all comes flooding back. Mm. It's really it's it's great. Great feeling. And yeah, so lovely. We've got a song from when you're a wee young thing. And where'd you grow up? I grew up in a place called Tumbarumba, and that is a very small town, in between Sydney and Melbourne, like spot spot on in the middle, um, so middle of nowhere. Bit, bit rural. Yeah, yeah. It's about 2,000 people. And I uh, grew up on a farm about half an hour out of town. And, uh, yeah, we we just lived this idyllic existence of, like, swimming in creeks and riding horses and having loads of animals and stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what – yeah, we were, like, fourth or fifth generation Tumbarumba people. Oh, great. Wow. Yeah. You're landed elites in Tumbarumba. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> So we've got a, a first track from someone called Fool's Garden. Now, why this song? Uh, this song used to play... Um, <laughs> it's so weird. There's, there's just some songs that my sisters and I really got attached to. And this um, used to be on Rage every Saturday morning. Uh, and there's a video clip of a guy that's like living in the back of a truck, I think, in like a... In a, like a semi-trailer, yeah, it's really weird, and uh, and and all these lyrics about lemon trees. We, I didn't get it. Neither did my sisters. We thought it was hilarious, um, <laughs> and so we used to run around singing it, not really understanding what it was about. I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> on FBI ninety four point five, my guest today is Penny Greenhold on Out of the Box. I'm sitting here in the boring room. Just another rainy Sunday afternoon I'm wasting my time, I got nothing to do I'm hanging around, I'm waiting for you But nothing ever happens And I wonder I'm driving around in my car I'm driving too fast, I'm driving too far I'd like to change my point of view I feel so lonely, I'm waiting for you But nothing ever happens And I wonder I wonder how, I wonder why Yesterday you told me about the blue, blue sky And all that I can see Is just another lemon tree Turning my head up and down I'm turning, 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 turning around And all that I can see Is just another lemon tree
on Out of the Box on FBI 94.5. That was handsome. That happened on your radio and it's all Penny Greenholder's fault. <laughs> yeah, man <laughs> from Milwaukee. Oh, dear. So what the hell is going on in that song? There's a few weird lines going on here uh, and yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't analyse it too deeply when I was a kid. Because um, you were probably how old? Uh, yeah, seven. Seven or eight, probably. Yeah. Um, and I And I was utterly obsessed with Hanson. This was the first CD that I was ever given and it happened uh, Christmas, it must have been 2006 I guess. Um, I got a CD player and my first CD. I was like emancipated uh, I could forevermore. Yeah, forever. <laughs> I could I could listen to the, all the music that I wanted, and all the music that I wanted was all the music on that album, and uh, I would just listen to it on repeat all day long, every day, and then at night time, uh, there was a function on my CD player that let me repeat a song, just endless on an endless loop, and the song that I chose to sleep to <laughs> for months on end, which is uh, quite weird, I think probably. I mean, it's probably done weird things to my brain. Um, she knew all the words, obviously. I, yeah, and I really, like, I, I didn't listen to this song. I just knew that I wanted it, and so I downloaded it. And I haven't, I don't think I've listened to that song uh, for at least 15 years, probably. That's a conservative estimate. And I knew, I know all the words. That's because wow. it was playing on a loop while I slept for probably months <laughs> when I was seven or eight. At least a percentage of your brain is handsome. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> So was this something you shared with your friends at school or were you the, the lone handsome lover? No way. It was it was like a, a frenzy and a, like a, what's the word? Epidemic. <laughs> it was all day. A positive epidemic. Yeah, nice one. I mean, a bit weird probably. It's mm-hmm. a bit weird to be obsessed yeah. with three boys that you've never met before. Um, but yeah, it was a group. It was a real group thing it was we were equally as weird and there was a level of competition as well um uh, like who had the most posters on the wall who had the most (laughs) albums who had the singles as well as the albums and who listened to it the most and then it was also kind of you know who is going to own each of the band members in Mm. a way like you know it's kind of like when you watch a cartoon you're like no i'm buttercup no i'm blossom Mm -hmm. no i'm bubbles that kind of thing yeah totally yeah and uh, and I was all about Zach. Oh yeah, the youngest one. Did you win Zach? I didn't win him. No, my <laughs> um, my best friend had an older sister who was Zach's age, and she told me that I couldn't possibly have Zach because I was far too young. Oh dear. Which is a funny thing. That's a funny problem to have when we're talking about <laughs> a band like Hanson. You can't you can't imagine anyone being younger than that. Uh, but I was at the time. Good stuff. Well, you went on from having competitive friends who were fighting over Hanson to going to a fairly competitive boarding school. Mm. So, I mean, boarding school doesn't necessarily carry a positive name. A lot of people seem to have a bad time at boarding school. But, Mm. you know, did you have an all right time? No, no. (laughs) No. Categorically, uh, no. (laughs) No, it was five years of hell for me. I didn't – I think because my childhood was so so much – a childhood and I loved being a kid it was a really strange and foreign experience to uh, be so displaced firstly I guess like I was totally taken away from my family um, and then thrown into uh, an environment that was not only competitive but it was also like everybody was in a race to grow up and be um, sexy I guess and you know like all of all of that uh, all of the teen movies that everyone wanted to emulate, everyone was nasty and I didn't get it and I, I couldn't play along really and I think because of that I sort of became a target. So I just evaporated as a personality. I was sort of, I just walked around being invisible for five years. So your soul essentially left your body for the duration of five years? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a, a pretty awful experience. Okay. But um, what did you actually excel at when you were at school? I mean, were, were there particular subjects or crafts that you were into? Yeah. Oh, yeah? I really knuckled into uh, dance and drama. Mm-hmm. Drama was, I was just obsessed with that. Like, from a very young age, I wanted to be an actor. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I bombed in all my auditions for musicals and, and stuff. Cause I was Well, I was too shy. I was just... Uh, very self-conscious I I couldn't really talk loud you know I was just too nervous Um, so I I was never cast in anything but I was a really good dancer so I'd be in the chorus for the musicals and stuff Um, so in Oklahoma 
we did that. Yeah, I was quite old at the time. I think I was might have been 15. So too old to really get away with like being so weird. Um, <laughs> but I was I was an intenso. Um, I <laughs> I was I was I was like a cowboy in the chorus. Oh great! So and is that was, what Oklahoma is all about? It's like a, a cowboys. Western, yeah, yes. yeah. It's set in Oklahoma, they sing oh, at an Oklahoma <laughs> in the waving wheat was sure smells sweet or something. Yeah, and um. I uh, I excelled at dancing like a cowboy, which was great. And uh, I think the drama staff were a little bit like, uh, Penny, she tries really hard. She's super enthusiastic. Let's, let's you know, throw her a bone. So one day we were rehearsing the scene where one of the characters dies in a big town scene. And uh, there was lines in the script that had to be said by a chorus member. And they said, Penny, you can have this one. And it was, what's the matter with them? That was the line. And, uh, and <laughs> we had a holiday in between rehearsals and the show starting two weeks. I went home to the farm and practiced that line over and over again. What's the matter with What's him? the matter with him? What's the matter with him? What's <laughs> the matter with him? Any, any iteration you can imagine, <laughs> I, I covered it. And uh, <laughs> when we got back to school and we performed it and stuff, I was so excited. I thought ah, my time has come, but I was a bit—I was a bit annoyed. Uh, in the in the in the in the scene, the entire cast was on stage, and the entire cast were emoting quite audibly. You know, mm -hmm. like the characters dying, so everyone's going oh 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 blah 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 blah, blah. Um, and uh, no one ever heard me say the line, mm -hmm. and that was my auspicious debut as an actor. Have you been on the up and up since then? Or? Oh, totes. Okay. <laughs> I'm unstoppable now. So our next track, have you performed to this before? Yes. I was a dancer. This is a hip-hop dance track that uh, we we danced uh, to an edited version. This is this has got some expletives in it. Language warning. And uh, I was so proud of myself because after we danced the dance, which I'd practised obsessively, uh, one of the mothers said I had a very expressive face. FBI 94.5. This is uh, Ice Cube. You can do it. You can do it, put your back into it. I can do it, put your ass into it. You can do it, put your back into it. I can do it, put your ass into it. Put your back into it. Put your ass into it. So this is a track that my guest on Out of the Box today, Penny Greenhalge, was dancing to as a wee young thing. <laughs> I can't believe the school and this happened. <laughs> I know, mental. Uh, they did, they did sort of fuzzy out the swear words, but um, still violent. Still. Oh yeah, and I, they they fuzzied it out with a slap sound in the expletive-free <laughs> version. It's like oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't a yeah, great sound, um, but you know. It's uh, it's yeah. I think my my the school principal did complain. Oh yes, 
far too racy for the school concert. <laughs> well, it seems like everyone wanted to grow up pretty quickly, so, I mean, that would have helped. Yeah, 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 yeah we were right into it. Oh, excellent stuff. <laughs> so, boarding school, not a great time. No. But, I mean, one of the perks of going to boarding school is you kind of essentially ended up with an exchange where you could go to Scotland. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I did a gap year at a school called Loretto, which is uh, just outside of Edinburgh in Scotland, mm-hmm. uh, in a place called Musselburgh. And it's uh, the oldest boarding school in the UK, I believe. Wow. So when you're talking about old boarding schools, how old? I mean, Middle Ages. Like there's, what? Um, yeah, there's, there was a, a building that was used um, as a boarding room, like a big dorm for uh, the, uh, I think like the young high school boys uh, that had like paint frescoes on the ceiling that dated back to the 13th century or something. You are kidding. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it was a school back then, but... Um, but the building was still yeah, there. Yeah, but it's... but Yeah, and that's... Like, it's it's beyond comprehensible. How, yeah, isn't that obscene? How old... Yeah, and the history of the old? school and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was just... It was, uh, it was totally populated by um, landed gentry, like, proper mental aristocrats. So you're talking about, like, everyone at their house has painted portraits of their ancestors glaring yeah. at them from the stone walls that yeah, kind of lords thing lords and ladies and their children are called um like oscar dussel hop wagon house like <laughs> wallace that looked like it hurt thompson yeah yeah like every <laughs> last name uh <laughs> from the doomsday book Oh, wow. Yeah. Good times. But, I mean, your last name, Greenhole, just kind of spelled like Greenhole. Is that mm. a Scottish name? It's not a Scottish name, no. It's uh, it's English via the Norman Conquest, I believe. I think we were we were Vikings. Oh, awesome stuff. Conquistadors. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you kind of had your Scottish time, and, I mean, like, seeing as you didn't have a super great boarding school time, was it better? Did you fit in more? Did you find your people? I don't... Yeah. I. I, I mean... I don't know if I could say that I found my people there. Like, I think, uh, I think I found something. I think I found a bunch of weirdos. Yeah. Who who totally didn't think that I was weird, um, and that was great. We we were uh, like the oldest kids uh, at that school, the final year people. A lot of them were older than me, so um, we we like I had a really great friendship group. I was. You know, I didn't have to be at boarding school anymore. I was totally independent. I could make my own decisions. I could go traveling. I could drink alcohol. Wow. I could go to nightclubs. Oh, groovy. Yeah, I didn't have to report back to anybody. My parents weren't even in the same time zone. Nice. So, so that like, was that time in your life. That was that time mm-hmm. in my life. And I feel like that was, uh, I, I woke up from a long sleep in a way. Awesome. So we've got a track to take by some band called Underworld. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you come across this one? I read Trainspotting when I was living in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a bit of a revelation to me, I think, because, uh, well, I mean, all of it's, it's it's just such a crazy book. It's mm-hmm. stream of consciousness kind of writing, yeah. and it's written in the dialect of the Scottish, uh, specifically the Edinburgh accent. And uh, because I was living there, I sort of felt like I was in it, like it was quite a visceral reading experience. Um, and that spirit of rebellion and uh, not giving not giving a care about like consequences and stuff like that, uh, it was it was everything that I was experiencing for the first time. And uh, so this song, Underworld, um, Born Slippy, is from the film version of this uh, book. Actually, you made another version of train spotting didn't you i did when i went to university back in um australia how'd that go amazing oh yeah I, yeah i wrote uh i wrote kind of an adaption an adaptation my own version of it um and uh, and got a whole bunch of friends to play all the characters and uh, we performed it in the bar the uni bar at uh, bathurst university and it killed it we filled it every night it was um exhilarating Awesome. So here you go. It's Underworld Born Slippy, brought in by my guest today, Penny Greenhold. Oh, such a great track. Yeah! <laughs> Thank you. 
my god. <laughs> okay. I am so sweaty. That was that was a really we good time. We just raved. We just had a full on rave here, and we we just said like maybe this song has actually killed someone at some point because it is a little bit too much of all of the good things. <laughs> yeah, with some with some uh, super subwoofers, you could uh, you could shock somebody. Oh yeah, I definitely got a shock. So my name is Ash Bears. My guest my guest on Out of the Box today is Penny Greenholch, and that was Underworld with Born Slippy. So what does Born Slippy mean? Don't know. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I know I was slippy. Slippy is like slippery. They use slippy like we say slippery. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So I think you're born slippery. Good stuff. All right. Well, so uh, we have a track to take in a moment called Shoot and Run from Joseph Salvat. And I haven't heard of him before, but apparently he's a uh, Sydney local. And how did you come across him? He is a very good friend of uh, a very good friend of mine. And I met him sort of at the start of this year. Um, I was sort of aware of him, like he's he's a very old friend of uh, of this girl, and uh, all I all I kind of knew was that he'd moved to London and got a recording contract and is like doing awesome stuff, um, but I never really listened to his music. So I met him, and we got on super well. And he was just telling me all these amazing stories of just you know uh, doing it, living the dream, just so going for going for gold. In a sense, I mean, he's a Sydney guy who I haven't really heard of in Australia. Do you think to make it big, you have to actually go overseas as an Australian still? Because that used to be the case back in the day. Do you mm. think that's still kind of well, part of the deal? I think that in Australia, we are, it's a small pond in mm -hmm. a way. So even if you're a big fish, you're still in the small pond. And I think that's what, that's what Joseph um, said when he when we were talking about like why why would you be based in Europe um and i think his yeah his his reasoning was that uh he's he doesn't have any desire to be a, a big fish in a small pond if that was ever going to be a thing that happened and i think also he's just um he's just super ambitious i don't know i don't know what the truth is i don't know i think people should um do whatever they want um, Fair enough. And and I think that it's really worked out for him to, to go to Europe and stuff. He's He sang a, a song, a, a cover of a Sia song that was put on a TV ad in France and Germany. And uh, he's shot to number one. You're kidding. Yeah. So wow, he, performed, he performed at the, like the German version of the Grammys. Whoa. Yeah. He gets put up in Paris and so does media tours and stuff. It's unreal. What do you kind of take from his story? Like, what can you take away from that? Uh, I took away bravery. I think, um, I think you just you just got to back yourself. They're like the world is big, no matter where you are and what you're trying to do. The world is big and you are small, um, and all you can do is just be brave. On FBI ninety four point five, my guest is Penny Greenhold, and you've got Joseph on your radio. Joseph Salvat with Shoot and Run and Out of the Box. Chase the thrill 
doesn't know much, but she knows this. Life's too short not to take risks, so she steals herself. She doesn't give a fuck. She pulls the trigger and lives it up. Out of the box. On FBI. Sais-tu ce qu'il m'a dit, Polo? Ou que son petit doigt lui dit, plutôt? Quand ce dernier se lève, c'est qu'une coquille de rêve est sortie de l'eau. Et là, il chante. Polo, elle est moule frita, sans fruit et sans maillot. Yo, yo, yo. 
what a fantastic track brought in by my guest today, Penny Greenhall. She is a writer and performer and she's in the studio with me, Ash Bertabez. And thank you for bringing that one on because it's excellent. But can you tell us a little bit about why you wanted to bring it on? Uh, look, I love Stromae. I mm-hmm. love him. And uh, I was introduced to him when I was living in France um, a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, <laughs> I love this song in particular. Well, I love it because I, I can speak French. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like, I don't understand all, like I, it had to be explained to me, but it's very, very clever. And I love that I understand the word play in it now. It's is, been explained. Is it's, there something going on in there that yeah, we need yeah. to know about? Yeah, you need to know. <laughs> you, need to, you need to be told. So Stromae is a Belge uh, music producer and, uh, um, and all around excellent cool dude. Um, and so the national dish of Belgium is uh, moule frites or like mussels and chips. Uh, and in, in French, moule is like slang for vagina. And the lyric is, Polo aime les moules frites. He likes uh, moule frites. Sans frites, which is chips. No chips and no mayo, like mayonnaise. Or mayo de bain, which is swimmers. <laughs> Moules with no swimmers. It's all about, it's all about cunnilingus. It's a song about oh, uh, giving head. Excellent. Well, what a banger about bonking faces. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, Stromae is an interesting character because I've, I've seen like a few videos of him live and, and his music videos. He's basically, he's got, he takes on heaps of different characters and he sculpts these really strange characters. One, for example, was, you know, he's, he's, uh, female on one side, male on the other, and throughout the the dance and throughout the video clip and throughout him performing live, wherever he turns is whatever part of the song he's singing, and it is like a, a bi gendered song about yeah. gender. Yeah. And um, then there's the other one where he's just kind of like he's basically a mannequin, like he's just completely empty yeah. and non-respondent, and he's like just completely stiff. And that's singing him. about absent fathers. Yeah, exactly. And uh, another song where he plays a drunk guy that's like bummed out of his life and is sort of shouting weird stuff at by at passes by um it, that's in the tradition of like Jacques Brel and the storytelling kind of uh there was a period in French music around um like the 50s and 60s when you had people like Jacques Brel, Edith Piaf um people like that who uh all sang songs about life and about hardships and took on characters in a way and told stories so acted out the songs yeah and and that's what Stromae does and uh and I love him for it it really has a, a strong kind of clown element to mm. it I find so I guess it might be worth talking about the fact that you yourself are kind of a clown <laughs> yeah you went to clowning school and yeah. um but before you went to clowning school you actually had given it a burl Locally. Locally. Luna yes. Park, in uh-huh. fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, worst job I've ever had. Okay, what was so bad about it? Well, it was Christmas time, so it was hot. Oh, and yes. I had to wear so many layers of costumes, uh, all made of plastic. And I, 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 I'm quite tall, and I don't fit uh, ladies' shoes. So um, part of my costume was uh, <laughs> gum boots because I, I didn't fit any of the other shoes. So I was walking around in 45-degree heat wearing gum boots, a big overskirt, like all the undergarments as well. And the material for the actual costume is sort of like a wetsuit material. Whoa. And so on top of that, I had, uh, I had a big wig. I had grease paint. Grease paint doesn't sound appealing at N- all. Yeah, well, it's waterproof. So uh-huh. you're sweat, you sweat water, right? Uh, and that pops out of your pores, which is covered by this v- viscous kind of grease. So my face would bubble up like the side of a house. You know, <laughs> you know when uh, there's like you're essentially been... rendered. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I was like a beach shack that hadn't been painted in uh, in a few years. Oh, good <laughs> it Lord. was it was horrific. I've never made so many children cry. And but they actually did cry. So is that is that why you eventually elected to go to clowning school to learn how to not make children cry? Um, I don't know if I ever wanted, I'd never set out to be a clown. I, I, that never really interested me. I was, I wanted to be a performer and that was a way to get paid to do it. Um, even without any talent, which I had none of at the time. <laughs> so, um, so it was a means to an end and I left very quickly. I think I lasted two weeks. Uh, but it didn't solve the problem that I wasn't a very good performer. So mm. I wanted to go to France and in particular to this school, uh, Ecole Philippe Gaulier, because uh, it's quite a popular school. There's a lot of amazing people that came out of it. I really admired the work um, of a lot of graduates, including Sasha Baron Cohen. Borat. Borat. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, Emma Thompson has also been. 
Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, what's her name? Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, she went there before, like after she had already become famous. So yeah. it was kind of like upskilling, mm. little workshop. <laughs> um, so clowns are really scary, though. That's the thing. Like, why would you want to be a clown type person or like a in in general? I mean, I know you personally are more of a performer and less of a clown. Mm. But why would you want to do that? Great question. I <laughs> cannot answer for anybody. I don't know. I don't know why you would want to be a straight up clown. I think uh, I can understand why you would want to use the style in a performance, though, because what it is is um, is basically you take you take a stand up or you take the conversation that you have with an audience when you're doing comedy and that uh, interface between like you doing something and the audience laughing and you strip that right back to its most basic elements which is you do something the audience responds and and when you're training at that level when you're when you're being as stripped back and as raw as that um especially over a, you know a 10-week period when you're when you're trying to learn um you you kind of have to start again you've got no repertoire you've got no uh wit you've got no you know, political satire. You've got no. So you're not characters. allowed to be smart. No, there's no being smart. There's no being sexy. There's no. You, you can't swear. You can't. The, all of the stuff that you would consider your ammo as a comedian mm-hmm. no longer is there for you. So you just got to start all over again. So clowning school breaks you apart and builds you back up again, or just breaks you apart no, and just then leaves you. Apart. Yeah. Okay. It just so. breaks you apart. That is all that happens, and then you do the rest in your own time. We'll talk a smidgen more about this in a second, but at the moment we've got something from MC Solar, Nouveau Western. Now, why this track? I love this track so much. Uh, When I was in France, I was there for about a year and I really wanted to absorb as much culture and stuff as I could. So I'd ask everybody what their favourite songs were. Um, And without exception, everyone would play me this song. MC Solar is an amazing hip-hop artist from the 90s and this is exceptional. Le vent souffle en Arizona, un état d'Amérique dans lequel Arizona, cowboy dingue, du bang bang, du flingue, de l'arme, du cheval et de quoi faire la bringue, poursuivi par Smith et Wesson, Cole, Derringer, Winchester et Remington, il erre dans les plaines, fier, solitaire, son cheval et son partenaire. Parfois, il rencontre des Indiens, mais la rue est vers l'or et son seul dessin. Sa visite en cours que l'on connaît par cœur. La rivière sans retour d'Otto Preminger, tandis que John Wayne est loupé à la lutte du propre comme un archiduc, on peut pas me doute. Hollywood nous berne, Hollywood berne, dans la vie de tous les jours comme dans les nouveaux westerns. Cinémascope, il entre dans le bar, commande un indien, scalpe la mousse, boit, repose le verre sur le zin, une touche cheveux se part, sous des types se baignent pour des motifs futiles comme dans les nouveaux westerns. Les têtes sont une sorte de multinationale, elle exporte le western et son modèle féodal, dicte le bien le mal, le cubuc et les Dalton sont camouflés en Paul Smith et Weston, on dit que ce qui compte c'est le décor, la vie ne fait pas le moins dans la rue vers l'or, dès lors les techniques se perfectionnent, la carte à puce remplace le Remington, mais Harry à Paris n'a pas eu de chance, on le stoppe sur le périph' avec sa diligence, puis on le place à Fresnes, pour que Fresnes le freine, victime des directives de ce que l'on appelle le nouveau western. Par 
parfois la vie ressemble à une balle perdue Dans le système moderne se noie l'individu Pour rester lucide il s'approuvait de brandy Désormais on brandit et les chités pépites Ou blanche et la chevauchée fantastique Toujours à contre-jour c'est bien moins héroïque Dans le monde du rêve on termine par un happy end Est-ce aussi le cas dans ce que l'on nomme le nouveau western Le nouveau western A track from when my guest on Out of the Box today was in Paris, exploring culture. That is uh, MC Solar Nouveau Western. And you, you went to France for the clowning course at Le Col Philippe Gaulier. And what was your first day like? Do you remember walking in there? And yeah. How, what it was like? Well, uh, I was nervous as hell. And uh, there was a lot of people there um, that's sort of feeling the same way, I think. We were such a band of misfits. It was so amazing. Like from yeah. the moment I walked in there, there's people from all over the world you know like all the continents and uh, and and all the all the cultural backgrounds and stuff it was very uh unnerving well disarming i think and so do you remember the first kind of or you know one of the early bits of feedback you got from the man himself philippe gollier who is the the clowning guru mm, yeah he banged his drum and he said alors penny uh, she is uh, she's boring or she is fucking boring. <laughs> that was the option he gave. And so do people have to respond to this yes. and agree with yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People and agree and then he'll say something like, oh, you know, um, I am married to someone with a voice like yours, Penny. I have 17 televisions in my house. I have them on full volume, so I don't have to listen to your voice. Wow. Yeah, he's, so um, it's funny. Like, it's very, very funny and everybody laughs. And it, and... It doesn't. Do it doesn't take the sting out. No, you cry yourself to sleep at night. But everyone's in the same boat, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. The, the the point is, is that uh, you don't you don't have anywhere to hide. You don't have any high ground. You are just uh, trying. So and the idea is, is he's going to kill your ego. You're not going to end up with an ego intact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that's going to help you be a better performer. Eventually, supposedly? I think it can crush people. I think it's not for everyone. Yeah. Uh, but I think if you really believe that um, you're there for the right reasons and you want to progress and uh, you believe in yourself, then it can be really a really valuable experience. So Philippe Goulet sounds like an asshole, basically, <laughs> but he teaches about beauty. When he yeah. teaches about beauty, what's he actually talking about? Well, I think it's a fair. Um, I think it's fair. You know, like I think a lot of people want to be actors. A lot, a lot of people want to be famous. A lot of people want to be in front of people showing off. But what he he kind of flips that on his head and he says, "Why do you think you deserve to be looked at by everybody? What is it about you that's so special? You have to bring it. You know, like you have to have the right to be there. You have to be." A demigod in a way this is what he says and um there's a lovely thing that he says about uh character actors like say you're playing hamlet um you become the memory of that character in someone's imagination if you're a good actor and when you're on stage and uh and you're present with the audience and you're 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 beautiful as he s- describes it um, what happens is the audience is able to dream around your character. And I have never really understood what that meant, but I can visualise it, you know, and I know I've experienced it yeah. before with great performers. I think that goes for music, comedy, whatever. Like, I think if you're dreaming around a person, then you're, it's whatever it is that they're doing is feeding into your life and there's a real exchange happening. And I, uh, and I think that that's what we should all be aiming for as as artists as performers as you know um people who demand that people look at them so i mean beauty is the way he's talking about it which is not really how we see beauty at all but 
then what about kind of like ugliness within clowning? I think that's kind of the general rule. And there's this whole history of the, the bouffon. Yeah, the dark and clown. You, you learned about that? Yeah, we did. Yeah, I, I that was a total revelation for me. It was really um, inspiring, I guess. It, it's The story of the bouffon is like it starts in the Middle Ages in France when uh, basically they, they revolutionised the way that people uh, thought about the world in, with the introduction of Christianity and Catholicism in particular, which said that everything good comes from God, everything bad comes from the devil. So ugly people or people with diseases or people who are gay or Jewish or, you know, leprosy, whatever, deformities, you name it, they were all from the devil and they were to be feared and they were not to be a part of the community. So they were all kicked out and told to live in the swamps. And so every year they were invited back by the villagers... From the swamps. From the swamps to perform in the village. And in those performances, they would uh, lampoon the powerful people and the rich people and the beautiful people. And um, it's if a clown is asking the audience to laugh at him or her, the bouffon is laughing at the audience. And they're very cunning and they're very manipulative and they're very, uh, what's the word? Charming. So it's kind of a split between charming and grotesque. Yes. Yeah. And I think there is something very charming about a grotesque, you know. Uh, I think a good example of this um, used like in a modern context has been quite successful is um, is what Sasha Baron Cohen does with Ali G and with Borat and stuff. He makes himself quite ugly. But, but also what adorable. he's doing, yeah, but adorable and and so charming that he elicits these honest responses from people. Uh, that I mean, this shows their ugliness. It makes it makes them reveal their ugliness, mm-hmm. and uh, and in a way, um, I don't know. I think it's I think it's a really powerful satire tool, and uh, yeah, it's um, also it can also be very very funny. Awesome. It's been an excellent time having you on the show today. I'm still a little bit sweaty from dancing to Underworld before, so I might have to address that and go air out out the front. But we've got time for one more track, which is by Super Saiyan Crew. Yes. I had a French boyfriend when I was living in France, and uh, he it was actually he comes from a, a Martinique family. He's Antillais, so he comes from the Caribbean. And this song is um, the first song that was sung entirely in Creole, which is the language that's spoken in Martinique and Guadeloupe. Mm-hmm. that was massive in France. And the beautiful thing about this song is that no one could understand what the lyrics were. And uh, the lyrics are filthy. And I encourage you all to look them up on the internet. It's it's very, very funny song. You can't tell us then. <laughs> I guess we might be risking our broadcasting licence, I'm assuming. So is there, any, is there any place that we can catch you? Where's the next place we can catch you if we're in Sydney and we want to see what the what the whole thing is with Penny Greenholge? Um, come to Giant Dwarf on the 5th of May. There's a, a thing called uh, Ghost Stories where everyone writes a ghost story and tells it. M- mine's going to be excellent. Thanks so much, Penny. Thank you, Ash. Ça la grossie, mais je mettrai un coup. Oh, 